What's up? This is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Dittleman. And welcome to Mind Over Magic. What's happening, Eric? Uh, recording on a short week this week, uh, so it feels like I just talked to you. Opposite of last week. <laughs> I hope that means you've still been living a life for a cast. That's what I hope. You always got to live a life for the cast. We got a lot to talk about still, plus more mailbag. Sorry yeah, about no. The mailbag. The reason it's a short week is because we're pretty much going into full-blown rehearsals starting tomorrow here in Vegas. So exciting stuff. We can get into that today. We can get into everything you and I have done together virtually over the past few days. Yeah, we've done a bunch together. But uh, yeah, you, you basically messaged me and was like, yo, we're in like full-blown getting ready to figure out a show again. Uh, so can we go earlier in the week? Because yeah. you were busy, and it's funny you're you've got a busy week, and I've got a super busy week as well. Like it you had like- to one up me. You're like you have a busy week, and I have a super busy yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want people to know what the reality is over here. <laughs> Who's really doing the work? <laughs> Let's hear about it. Uh, well, well, we even we teased it. We thought we'd be talking about my photo shoot, but that I All haven't right. done that yet. So we'll we'll be talking about that next. Uh, Next week on the cast. We'll be talking about that in an hour, about your missed goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> our goal. Our goals are going to be all out of whack. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, and, uh, and I, I was going to tell tell you more about, like, the virtual NACA, but uh, when this comes out, it'll already have happened, but we, you know, we, I haven't done it yet. So uh, sure. these these conferences. But uh, tell me what's going on with you and where you're at in your Vegas uh, reopening process. Phase one of the new production is going to be bananas. I am so excited about what the production looks like. When you come and see the show, it's going to look and feel like a a brand new show. It's like a lot of simple production changes that are like slick and modern. And I'm I'm just so excited for it to be like fully teched. Like I'm I'm not needed at the theater today, but I might show up just to see every all the bells and whistles in motion i'm excited about it you know donnie osmond uh was known to say people don't walk out of a show humming the lights right it's more about the music and the story you tell or whatever it is you do and the same is true for magic people don't go out being amazed by the lights either but it's a nice touch to have a nice production i'm very excited about it yeah it's all those little details that all come together to really make a production pop and i mean it's one of those things too is Yes, it's still about the bulk of the content of the show, but it's one of those things too. It's like if you get the lighting wrong, it's noticeable. It's a, right. It's, it's a common theme that keeps coming up on this podcast. Is like those little details. If they're just slightly off, they're noticeable. Uh, and if everything's you know copacetic with each other, then it just enhances it, and it's almost at a subconscious level. But you're saying it's even gonna look cool. On a like overt level, you're gonna be able to tell all these adjustments and everything, and and you sound if like if you've a been kid. to the show before, yeah. If you've been before, you'll see the revamp, which is perfect because we've celebrated our five year anniversary, would which would have been this past summer, I think. Yeah. So it's the perfect time to to do a, a refresh and and really reinvent the show. So. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people are doing that during the pandemic, figuring out. You know, now we have the time is like, how do we repackage this or what can we do better? I mean, I'm doing the same with my branding. You're you're doing the same with your brand. It's like Mm -hmm. it's it's the time to do it. So uh, maybe this pandemic, the silver lining of it all is it's like we're in our chrysalis phase and will emerge as beautiful butterflies at the other end of this. I like that. Yeah. One thing I notice is the stage feel so much bigger going on Mm -hmm. the stage now because it's been modified. Yeah. Like, this is something, like, you probably, I don't think, would notice. I don't think, like, people would notice from the audience perspective. But having spent many hours on the stage Mm -hmm. and the modifications that have been made to it, it actually is physically bigger than it was before, feels totally different to me. So I'm excited to sort of feel that in the room once we actually have people and stuff. So Now, do you think you're going to have to, like, re-block everything just to get that feel and use the stage? Oh, my God. We're re-teching. The the entire show is being re-teched. The entire thing... Top to bottom, nothing will uh, even even the media server we're using. Everything is new. It's not. It's 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 soup to nuts, starting over, but in a in a great way. 
Yeah, I'm not even talking about tech cues, but I'm talking about mm. like you physically blocking out the routines of where you're standing and how that feel or, you know, uh, are you going to have, do you think you're going to get into old habits of where you think the edge of the stage was mm. versus where it is and, uh, you know, utilizing it and, you know, just, you know, that I feel like there's always going to be like that fumbly feet kind of thing the first couple of times, which is why you have rehearsals and stuff If it like was that. made smaller, yes. <laughs> you would be worried about coming off the edge and like falling <laughs> yes. into the audience. hundred <laughs> percent. Totally. But like the fact that it's like bigger and extends further downstage. No, I think that I'll, you know, I'll yeah. stand where the edge used to be. Actually, one of the things I'll have to get used to too is just like, Everything will be reblocked, not just for COVID reasons, but even just for a lot of the magical changes that are yeah. happening too. So it, it'll they'll be getting there'll be a lot of uh, I don't know. I'm even just gonna have to get used to people staring at me again because it's been a year since I've yeah. performed for anything other than basically cameras. So you know. Yeah, yeah, and I know on a couple other podcasts uh, you've done throughout the pandemic, the the Cats podcast, I think you were on or whatever. They were asking uh, like if if you feel like there's going to be that rust you got to get off uh before you perform again and like how to how to go through that rehearsal process so that again you feel like uh you you're you're back in the swing of things or if it's just like riding a bike uh, and you think you're going to tackle it you know well i think what we do is a, like a little bit more complicated probably than riding a bike right yeah I think so it's so. probably not like there are elements of it that are like riding a bike but for the most part, you know, I thought of this the other day. It's more like riding a bike on a railing down a hill going off a ramp. Okay. Like it's, it, you know what I'm saying? I've never Performing. done that, so. <laughs> Neither have I, but like it's it's a little bit more nuanced than just the act of riding a bike. By the way, uh, I don't know if I agree with that idiom of it's like riding a bike because I haven't ridden a bike in a long time and I don't, I'm not confident I know how to do it anymore. So it's not like riding a bike. Yours is like the opposite of wise. I said it's harder than riding a bike. You're arguing that riding a bike is more difficult than what I agree. you do. I agree. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all right then uh, just shows you our differing opinions here yeah, you know absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um speaking of you mentioned being on podcasts and talking about that stuff we just did a podcast yeah it's uh gonna be coming out if not this week next week so uh we were on our friends uh, uh matt donnelly paul mattingly and jacob smith's podcast ice cream social which you can find in your news feed we were a uh, guest interview and uh, we had a blast, didn't we? That was fun. I, I really think if, if if anyone listening to this hasn't heard Ice Cream Show, Social, I really think you would dig it. Um, Matt and Paul and, and Jacob, the audio guy. That's actually what he goes by. Yeah, Jacob, yeah, yeah. the audio guy. Jacob, the audio uh, guy. Really kill it. Uh, do an amazing job. Made us feel so welcome. And it was like, you know, even even the way Matt phrased like questions to us, it was clear he had listened to Mind Over Magic. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And we've known Matt a long time, and he's great in the podcast uh I yeah. laughed my butt off like <laughs> so much. My face legitimately hurt from laughing. You had a good time? Yeah, we had a good time. And, and uh, you know, their podcast is a spinoff of Penn Jillette's podcast, Penn Sunday School. And, uh, you know, a big fan of, of Matt and Paul who have an improv background. And you could definitely tell uh, through their, you know, their comedic stylings. Uh, that's a weird phrase. I hate that phrase, <laughs> comedic stylings. But uh, uh, you understand what I meant. But also I also want, want to give a shout out to Jacob, who was uh, pivotal in helping us get this cast off the ground, just tech-wise and figuring out some of our audio stuff that I'm still figuring it out on my end. But uh, that's just because I, I don't come from that audio world. But uh, but yeah, well, I, he definitely love, helped immensely. I love that they made fun of us for things that we've talked about, like <laughs> not having a link to our own podcast on our websites. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, oh, you noticed that? Like, did you ever talk to them about that? Like no, prior I think to they, recording? I think they listened to our podcast and just noted that. <laughs> Oh, I thought maybe like they checked to like do a little research or something and maybe went on our websites and was like, oh, I can't find it. (laughs) (laughs) Or just having a website in general for our podcast, you know, that kind of stuff. At the very least, a link somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, But, but, you know, we'll get there. Yeah, we're getting there. In due time. Yeah. What are we on, episode 34? Yeah, maybe by like 100 or... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll get there. Did you feel intimidated at all being on their podcast because they've been doing it so long and it's so buttoned up? Like they're they're like six hundred, seven hundred episodes in. I felt so intimidated. I'm like, we can't be here. We need to. <laughs> well, 
Like in my head, I'm like, we have to quit, but I'm not quitting. But, so that's that. But this goes into a, a lot of the things we talk about on this podcast about, you know, performing and podcasting is just another form of that in a way. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. So it's it's, it's interesting to see the differences because I was on their cast like right when it started. I was on very early. And so I saw them figuring out their show and how much it's grown. So it, it leads kind of a groundwork for us. It lays the track to see if we if we get to 700 episodes where, yeah, we, might, right? where we might be. Yeah. Baby steps. We're proud of 34 right now. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So check but that what out. what a good time. Definitely yeah, check, check out, out their podcast. Ice Cream Social. Mm-hmm. Ice Cream Social. Check it out where you listen to podcasts. And, uh, and we might have you them like as this a one, guest at like some that point one. too, right? We'll have them What's as that? a guest on ours at some point. Oh, that would I'm be sure. awesome. Yeah, we'll figure that yeah. out. Yeah. I think you even asked them on the air maybe or afterwards yeah. while we were chatting. I think we just keep bringing up people we want as guests in these episodes. And, and then we don't do it. Eventually, we're going to have to start booking these people, figuring that out. But we'll get there. We'll get there. We will. Yeah, I think I think, I think think we did it. I, 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 always, I had no idea when we were ro- like recording the podcast and when we were just talking to them. There was no yeah. line drawn on that, yeah. which is good. That is good. That's good. So check it out, Ice Cream Social. Uh, speaking of like talking to a lot of people, though, uh, mm. we uh, – I, I, did something on our new favorite app new favorite app of clubhouse if you haven't been listening to the past few episodes you know me and matt big fans big fans of yeah this audio app uh it's essentially kind of podcasting in a way it's all audio but uh i hosted my own room and it turned out to be a great panel i decided to do a ask um an agt contestant anything and i had a bunch of agt contestants uh including yourself uh, it was me, you. We had uh, uh, it was. Let's be honest. It was very mentalism, magic heavy, plus comedians because those are the friends I know. But I wanted to get all of my friends who've been on the show together to try and answer anyone's questions who might have questions about America's Got Talent. So it had you know me, you, mentalist Colin Cloud. Uh, I'm gonna forget people as I violin look. player Brian King Joseph, right? Mm-hmm. Brian King Joseph, Dan com- Natterman, comedian Dan Natterman. Jacob he was on Williams. my season. Jacob Williams was on your season. Yeah, guest of this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Mike Kaplan, comedian as well. Uh, Wayne Hoffman. Um, uh, we had uh, Preacher Lawson. Oh yeah. Um, a bunch of people and a bunch of people popped in too who were contestants as well. I know uh, Vegas local Jimmy Slolina, I think his name is. Uh, I, I'm not as familiar with him, but it was interesting to see a wide gamut of uh, people who just did like one or two appearances on the show versus like someone like you who won the whole show as well. Uh, so we did have a wide variety of experiences and answered a lot of questions about some of the inner workings and. Uh, figuring out, uh, you know, what we could say without breaking NDAs, <laughs> but we were fairly honest as well. I thought it was it was a lot of work to moderate uh, like a panel like that, and uh, but I, I think it was an interesting conversation. And oh, we had Oz Perlman. I'm trying to think who else. Uh, well, no, you had a lot. It was yeah, a very a talented panel on stage, but you did a great job moderating. I'm curious, like, what was it like for you moderating? What were your things that you thought went well? What were your frustrations? And then I'll tell you my one gripe. Oh, I want to know the gripe. Was it about me? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, indirectly, but okay, not, sure, right. sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. The, the tricky thing is, my favorite things on this uh, Clubhouse app are like the small rooms where it's kind of more jazz and anyone can kind of speak up. But when you have so many people on the panel on the stage, you have to be a little bit more organized. So I wanted to get like some of the basic questions out of the way that I knew were going to come up, but like wanted everyone to get their chance to to speak. So you kind of have to do that in order, which if you have nine or ten panelists, it takes a while to go through one question and doesn't really have that conversation flow. So that was the the hard part for me. Um, yeah. But um, but at least, you know, when people try to, like, talk over each other, I was able to, like, ch- chime in and be like, all right, you were going to say this. We'll, we'll have you start and then we'll get to you and, and so forth. Oh, Her- I can't believe we forgot Harrison. Harrison Greenbaum. <laughs> I thought I said that, but oh, I you? said Dan okay. Natterman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You were mixing <laughs> up just based off voices. But, yeah, of course. No, Harris- no. It was a glitch on my side yeah. because, like, Dan Natterman was lighting up while Harrison was speaking for I some reason. I think he was also trying to chime in at the same time and you just saw yeah. Dan and not And Harrison. Jacob Williams, I think was skydiving while he was on because he just sounded like he was in a wind tunnel the whole time 
Yeah, he was definitely doing this fr- while walking by a train in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was a great, it was a really great session. I had never been on a clubhouse where like a moderator had so- tried to like take the questions in order, or at least I didn't notice it before. Mm-hmm. Is that something you've seen people do? Or Yeah, I mean, there's different ways to use clubhouse and one is in that kind of um, uh, like kind of TED talk or like uh, when they, they do a Q&A at the end of like, like a, any comic con convention or any convention where you know people line up at a microphone and wait their turn to ask a question so mm-hmm. people use clubhouse in that way and you keep pulling down to refresh and so everyone can see the order so if anyone in the audience wants to like raise their hit the raise their hand button you bring them up on stage and they have to just kind of sit patiently and wait their turn to get called yep. on to ask their question right so my one gripe are you ready for it yeah i'm it's learning just- I'm, I'm just taking no 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 it's really not against you it's it's <laughs> it, this is a broad this is a a macro idea mm-hmm. as opposed to like a micro idea of like sure. how it was moderated or anything like that this is a moral stand i take on this the name of the group was like you know what was it ask an ag what, what did you call it ask agt contestants anything something like see, that see that that's that's my gripe you didn't because, like that because well, i'll tell you why because there anything. were no agt contestants there were former AGT contestants, but not one contestant was really in the room. Fair. I mean, we were on the show, but... <laughs> Former. I would still Former. say... Okay, that's a small detail, I think. <laughs> but no, no, there's a reason. Why? Out of respect for our craft, mm. I don't think we should call our peers that are former contestants contestants because the term contestant has a connotation. Now, it's one thing if you want to be a contestant on... Jeopardy, Family Feud, but talking about being a contestant and what you do for a living, to me, is different. And I, practitioner, I, artist, just about any other term, I would uh, prefer to contestant. I think or that, a, alumni or a former contestant. Right. I think alumni could have been better, but like we were contestants at one point, so I think that was former. the key of it. And I don't think I think very clearly when we talked about what we're doing now and kind of what we got out of the show and successes we've had, you know, it, it goes beyond just contestant. I think everyone listening realized like we are all currently performers and active either comedians, magicians, mentalists, variety artists. Oh, we had uh we had Mike uh Greer a gear too. Uh oh pu- yeah. Uh who who's friends with puddles. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, just more names keep popping up on this panel and people popped in and, and so forth. But uh, I, yeah, I just didn't want to forget anyone. But uh, but yeah, I think I think the idea was because it was specifically talking about the AGT experience. And while we were on that show, we were contestants. But I don't think anyone was just considering what we did. You know, demeaning it as you're just a contestant now with all the success. I just don't. Yeah, have. no, it's it's this is probably my own neuroses more than an actual <laughs> criticism. Well, you don't want to just I do be think, pigeonholed into that contested box for any yeah, for anyone yeah. that for anyone there. I just think it's smart to 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 look past it. Yeah. Um. Or yeah. or to to real. Yeah. I don't know. It's almost like branding. Like to me, like I, I you know when I noticed it was sometime. Five, six years ago when I went to visit the set of The Voice Mm -hmm. and the social media coordinator, uh, one of them, also I knew because he also worked on America's Got Talent. Yeah. And I was hanging out with uh, some of the artists on the show. Artists, yes. (laughs) And I'm saying that for a reason. I'll get to it. Mm -hmm. And um, The Voice coaches were present as well. And... um, and the social media coordinator, and he was giving me the rundown. He's like, all right, oh, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to have you come over here, and, you know, the camera's going to pan over to you when you're sitting in the audience, whatever he was telling me, kind of give me a rundown of what we were doing and why I was there. And he's like, and anytime you tag uh, uh, one of the people on the show, just so you know, I know AGT calls them contestants. We call them artists here. Right. And that was when it clicked in my head. Wait a minute. They're referring to the people competing as artists right off the bat. That's a whole different vibe. That changes the whole dynamic of things to me. Yeah, I mean, it uh, goes into what we were talking last week about anchoring uh, and kind of perceived perception that you're trying to give right off the bat by just labeling something. But it's also true. Mm-hmm. Like, it should be true anyway. Like, it's also yeah. like a, a better description of what those people are. Yeah, I think, well, the, the difference is, I mean, well, I think with the show of America's Got Talent, you get some of those literal contestants in those first round who are just kind of 
you know, maybe not artists. <laughs> you know? Listen, listen, I'm fine with it being used, you know, for in the context of America's Got Talent. But uh-huh. once you're either eliminated or finished sure. or whatever, I think you're a former contestant. And now I, you move on to whatever I, you choose to be. I understand your point. Yes. But uh, I mean, I just didn't, I was writing whatever came to mind. First time moderating. I suppose we could do what like the Hollywood calls any important person on a set or anything, whether it's an actor or, you know, whatever. They just call them the talent. So maybe in the future we'll call it Ask an America's Got, got Talent. 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 <laughs> Did you realize that as you were saying it? No, I thought of that. Just okay. <laughs> I was leading up to that, Matt. That was the bunch ask of a question to an America's Got, got talent, talent. Talent. No, yeah. no, it is true. Like the <laughs> the way to make it most clear what your panel was right. was to use the word contestant. Yeah, because it wasn't really. the producers, it wasn't the judges, it was the people and if who it was, competed. Yeah, and if it yeah. was like alumni, they're like, "What is this? Some kind of like college reunion?" Yeah. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was more just my moral, you know, standpoint on it that I think it, I think it, you know, it holds some water. Yeah, and I think I I was fascinated by some of people's experiences and stories and how similar and some were different than, you know, mine and yours and uh just hearing different viewpoints. Ideally, if we if I do this room again in the future, hopefully we can get more diversity amongst the the acts. That, yeah, acts, I said. <laughs> so, like, uh, even just, like, singers and, and so forth, because, I mean, singers are huge, but I just, I'm just not connected with singers. And the, the hard part, too, with Clubhouse is I know more people that just aren't on the app yet. It's still fairly new, too. So I, I, I there was a lot of people I would have loved to have on that panel. But then it's also, like, how many people do you have on the panel before it gets out of control? <laughs> well, you had more people listening than on the panel, and I think that's a success. That is the goal, I think. So uh, so anyway. You did a great uh, job. I was really happy you put fun. it together, and I appreciate you inviting me to be part of it. That yeah, was really cool. and I appreciate you took the time. Uh, well, it was great busy. seeing everybody, too. I know. I love seeing the AGT people. fam. Yeah, yeah. It was really good, yeah. really good. So uh, I think that was a success, uh, and if you're not on Clubhouse, uh, I recommend you try and get on and uh, in case that happens again. But I also For wanted sure. to talk about a, a social social media problem I had this week, too. Oh, boy. Is um, I got a notification on my Facebook page that my page was, like, shared to, like, a fraud, Facebook fraud and protection page, which seemed like it was just a spam thing like someone was pretending to be facebook and was just sharing random fan pages on it so i was like concerned but i like checked out the page just to see but i definitely didn't click the link that it was like associated with it because i think it was spam and i do think facebook did realize that and deleted that post eventually or whatever that fake page was but then i went and checked my fan page on facebook and it was completely gone my entire page with like all my followers and everything. And we don't know why at that point? We don't know why. I was freaking out. I was trying to contact, you know, support, which, you know, with these big social media companies is just not something you can do. Right. Right. Like, right. Like, at all. Yeah. Like, like I just recently found out like even like Amazon has a customer support button now, but I just believed for a long time they didn't even have that. You know, uh, these big companies are just like, you'll figure it out. <laughs> um, but it turns out is because uh, Facebook's always changing things, and eventually my page showed up like an hour later, but like a different account. So now you have to like switch between like Instagram style between your like main profile and your like page. Yeah, I've seen some of this on my social media too, and I I just can't keep up. I just want to say my only point on this is don't give me a heart attack, Facebook. <laughs> 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 I don't need extra worries in my life. Just let me do the things I need to do. It's already a lot doing social media. Don't make it harder on me. <laughs> I mean, part of me would be stressed if it happened, and the other part of me just relieved. Yeah, I was kind of like, all right, don't have to worry about that page anymore. <laughs> <laughs> One less thing to manage. All right. But, I mean, look, Clubhouse replaced it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but it tied into, uh, you know, I'm reworking my website, and now I definitely have to rework it because that former widget I had on my page where I had my fan page, uh, listed on my website isn't loading anymore so i'm like good thing i'm redoing my website anyway so mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you're checking out my website now it's uh it looks a mess but it'll be fixed very soon is all i'm saying <laughs> so it's on its way it's, it's one on of the goals. its way it's on the goals yeah it's one yeah, of the yeah. goals that wasn't ignored this week so that's good mm-hmm. 
Um, and then I also did a uh, another virtual show, another um, uh, family weekend for school, and uh, we had a blast. It was a great show, uh, but uh, a little bit different. It was a 2 p.m. show, and I've been doing mostly night shows, mm-hmm. and I'm just curious to see what advice you have, uh, because I find it was a lot of work to try and get my energy up for an afternoon show, just because it feels different than performing an evening show, uh, and I'm um, just curious, and I've definitely done live shows that are like matinees as well, but I was wondering for your show, what advice you have performing live or if you've done virtual afternoon shows, how to get that same level of energy. You know what I try to take into consideration? Like I kind of count on my energy, hopefully like as a professional, I hope that my energy will get to where it needs to be. <laughs> like almost, almost like you might not feel it right before, but then once you get out there, you push the go button and it turns mm-hmm. on. But what I try to keep in mind is that when you do an afternoon show, the audience's mindset is in a different place. Yeah, they're, they're feeling Just, the same thing. Yeah, it, because when you do an afternoon show, it's sort of they're they're just in a different place in their day, and it's building up to something. Mm-hmm. So I I found that because I've done matinee shows even here in Vegas, and I found that the audience is sort of in a different mindset. It's like maybe in Vegas they had just left the pool and rushed over to the show, and right. they're like still not really dressed up for the night yet. Yeah. They haven't gone to dinner yet. It's not an after dinner thing. Whereas mm-hmm. if you do like. Uh, a nine o'clock show, they have dinner and then go to the show, right? right? Or if it's like, if it's a seven o'clock show, they might do that or they might go to the show and then have dinner. It, it, you don't know, it, but it's like not, when you do it in the afternoon, it's like building up to something else, whatever mm-hmm. else they mm-hmm. have going on in their day. So it's, I think it it's just puts the audience stop. in a different mindset. Right? It's like huh? a pit stop in their day for like, I got to do this little thing in the afternoon, but then I got a whole nother day. It yeah, kind of makes it, me it, think of that overused Bernie Sanders meme where he was like carrying, you know, a folder to the inauguration. He's like, I'm right. going to do, do errands after this inauguration. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, pit stop is the perfect ex- explanation for it. No matter how much they're looking forward to it, it's sort of mm-hmm. like breaking up their day Yeah, <laughs> in a yeah. way. But you so, do feel th- yeah. like there is a difference as a performer, just energy or or how do you approach or make those adjustments so that it, they feel like they're still getting the full, you know, experience or you're still putting your all into it? Well, you don't you make are. them feel like you're still putting you, the, you your are. all into it. Yeah. You actually do it. <laughs> you that's that's the secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I phrased that wrong, but that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, honestly, uh, for me, I, I, I don't have an issue sort of building up the, uh, the energy to do it now. Having said that... Uh, I guess that's kind of a lie because like doing morning radio or morning mm-hmm. TV that's like obnoxiously early in the morning, yeah, there is a little bit of fog calls. there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, there is. Are my sentences making sense? Like that kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, truthfully, but I think you just have to... I, I don't have any like secret preparations. I do Now I do. Now I like... Even like before we... I never report a podcast, never report it. Gee, wow, maybe I... Is the fog happening now, man? I need more of a technique here. (laughs) I I never record a podcast or even have any, like, um, text messages or emails. I don't have any, like, electronic communication generally prior to meditating. So, like, that's one thing that I'm doing now to sort of get myself in the right headspace, no pun intended, but um, that's kind of it. They're not sponsors of our podcast yet. I just meant the word. Okay, I didn't even gotcha. mean the brand. I just meant actual headspace. Gotcha. Um, um, now, yeah, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, too, like, I feel like that energy dip it, it happens to some time to time in the evening shows, too, just because the number of shows you're doing, obviously, some are going to be a little bit less than than others are and you kind of just have to work your through and you and you can't kind of telegraph that at all to the audience because they're still paying the same ticket price or anything like that they don't want to feel like they got a lesser show when you're not maybe feeling it so you kind of have to ramp up whatever it is internally to almost try to output 110 percent or more to like offset the the crudgy feeling you feel on the inside (laughs) Yeah, you know like I mean? it'd be a lie to say that you're, you know, I get it's this, I'm struggling to talk about this because yeah. the truth is um like I I think it's less about energy and more about presence, like being by I say presence, I don't mm. mean stage presence, I mean being present. Mm-hmm. So like no matter how many shows I'm churning out, 
is uh, one show might have more energy, one show might have less energy, but as long as my presence is authentic, I feel like that's sort of more important that you're giving rather than faking energy yeah. or faking enjoyment. I enjoy just being present in the moment and like 99.9% of the time on stage, at least my memory of it, what it was like a year ago, I am genuinely enjoying it and in, in the moment. Um, so, I think that's a that's a great tip. I think that is a good way to approach it as long as you're there. I mean, I think the death of uh, most of the bad shows I've seen, I mean, not looking at like direction and scripting and content and stuff that made it made those shows bad, but like shows that I know are good that just came across bad for that performance I saw is because, you know, the artist is on autopilot sometimes, you know, and it feels yeah. disingenuine, disingenuous. And, um, you know, having that presence really still keeps things fresh in people's mind, whether the energy is there or not. So I think you're absolutely right in that point. Well, I'll give you two examples. Uh, mm. Number one, one time I walked off stage during, um, there was video content that comes on in the middle of the show. This is here at the link in Vegas. And I step backstage just to do a quick jacket change. And then I have to run back out. It's like 30 seconds. Yeah. And my wife is backstage, which she wouldn't probably normally be in that space at that time, but she might be back there. It wasn't unusual, but she says to me, (laughs) uh, our security system went off and says there was a break in at our house. Oh, jeez. Right then in in the one 30 seconds you have where you're like, got to go back to the show. Thanks. Yeah. So I go, great. And I I literally said, great, which isn't what I meant to say. (laughs) And I put on my jacket and went back on stage. And literally, I kid you not, I was able to just dive back into the show and actually be present. Now, that feels really strange. It ended up being a false alarm, by the way. That, yeah, good. But that wasn't like just eating in the back of your mind while you're performing, because I feel like that would happen to me if I get like bad news right as I step out on stage or anything like that. I don't know how I was able to just let it go. But now I'm going to give you an example of one I couldn't let go. Mm, yes. Which was I did a, a borrowed bill effect at the start of a show. This is more recent. And instead of the bill appearing where it was supposed to appear. Mm-hmm. And you know the effect I'm referring to. Yeah, and if you've yeah, seen yeah. the show, you, you know the effect I'm referring to. And I've, I've been doing it a long time. I wrote it 10 years ago. But the method has changed many times. Um, and this was a newer method. And instead of the bill appearing when it's supposed to reappear, it wasn't there. And that didn't just mean it wasn't there. It also meant that it was missing. It's not coming back. <laughs> it's coming back maybe if we can find it. Yeah. <laughs> Have I told you this story or no? No, but that's hilarious. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I, maybe we'll tell the story at some point here. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving away the punchline now anyway, but essentially, um, well, I'll just, I'll just dive into it a little bit. Yeah, there are please. a thousand ramen packages. Sure. <laughs> and the bill is supposed to appear in one of them. It wasn't there. And given the new situation I was in with, with how I was doing it at this particular night, I knew that that meant. The bill was actually just sitting someplace else, perhaps, perhaps inside one of the thousand ramen packages that were in a pile with no indication, no marking system, no way of knowing where that bill is. Needle in a haystack. Literally. And I spent, Eric, the remaining 60 plus minutes of the show thinking, Where's the bill? How are we going to find it? And how am I going to bring it back contextually in the context of the show, like in the storyline of the show? Oh, this and is great. I had three failed attempts throughout the show to bring it back. <laughs> three failed attempts. Three failed attempts. Yeah. So. Oh, so funny. The it was discovered. At the the needle in the haystack. We had several people working backstage <laughs> to find figure it out. This is uh, the benefits was, of having a crew, by the way, because if I'm doing yeah. a solo show by myself at a college, I'm just like, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> it was discovered. It was uh, passed on to me. Mm-hmm. I was going to load it in an audience member's pocket. This is pre-pandemic. <laughs> sure, yeah. The pocket was a suit jacket that was apparently new and sewn shut. <laughs> so you tried to get, get in and it just denied. Denied. That's so funny. Um, my second solution was to have it appear during, now, mind you, all of these solutions are coming to me in real time Mm -hmm. while I'm Mm -hmm. talking and performing. Yeah. The second solution was to make it appear 
somewhere in the middle of the showroom where another impossible location Mm -hmm. trick happens. I was just going to be like, oh, and also, (laughs) you know, not only is your borrowed item here, you know, during the show. Also, remember Johnny's bill? Here it is. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It didn't it didn't happen because it was um, not retrievable. Oh, from no. that location <laughs> it was stuck and oh, i didn't even know, i wasn't even able to tell if it was there or not but the truth oh, of the matter man. was it was not retrievable it was there but not retrievable from that location sure. i don't know if this is entertaining at all in no. terms of like the code i'm speaking in but yeah no i know I, you you kind of know what is, i mean yeah this is hilarious <laughs> 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 I'm enjoying this so much because I, I love putting moments of improv in my show, but it's not like to like like I have plan B's when things go wrong and so forth. But uh, using plan C, D and E and figuring all like throughout the context of a whole show, that's a lot to keep your mind on rather than like little scheduled moments of improv when your mind is going a mile a minute to see how things fit like I do in my show. This is like. It- it's like you're improvising the whole show at the <laughs> at the time. It was brutal. It was one of the few examples I can tell you where I was had no choice but to run on autopilot. Yeah. Like there are always moments where yeah. like maybe a lighting thing is wrong or or I want to change something. I see something and I go, "Oh, we should try this next show." Yeah. So I make a little mental note, maybe I say move on. It, yeah. Yeah. And then move on. But this was like a, a long chunks of time of uh oh, how am I gonna get out of this? Like I'm doing card manipulation, and in my brain I'm going, "Where the hell is that bill? How am I gonna bring that into the show physically and also storyline wise? Like from the audience perspective, what happened here?" And and, and 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 as you were going through the autopilot, you're probably thinking that that's affecting the show, but you know there's still like people in the audience who are like who've seen your show before who are like. Wow, this is the best one I've seen because <laughs> I did not expect the bill to end up there eventually. <laughs> right. So the the final solution was it actually appeared this is the final solution and it wasn't my favorite solution but it mm. actually ended up being pretty neat and the the participant loved it was making it appear when I said I tried to load it in someone's pocket that yeah. was a random participant. <laughs> Just not even I was yeah. I was grasping at straws. Like I was going to somehow try to tie it together and be like, wait a minute. Remember, uh, you know, Joey participated earlier mm-hmm. in the show with the deck of cards. Joey, reach in your breast pocket, you know, and like have the yeah, bill appear. Yeah. And I don't know how I was going to tie it together yet, but I figured I'd corner myself and then figure it out. <laughs> and that didn't work because the pocket was sewn shut. Yeah. Actually, the final solution was to make it appear in the actual participant's pocket who we borrowed the bill from initially. Wow. Okay. Um, That's great. So it was like okay. It was, it was on you the whole time. You yeah. Never, like, oh, that's why I couldn't bill. find it. Huh? <laughs> yeah. You never lost the bill. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it wasn't, uh, it might sound better than it was, <laughs> uh, like, in the context of, like, talking about it now. Or maybe my head was just mm-hmm, all over yeah. the place. And to me, the whole thing felt miserable. But um, that was the final solution, anyway. That uh, is where it finally appeared in the last few seconds of the show. And as long as there was a resolve, too, because I definitely seen magical performances where something goes wrong and then they're just like, well, that's never coming back. <laughs> and they end the show. And it's just this question mark is like, okay, cool. <laughs> I wanted to resolve it as soon as possible. Right. Like I would have rather re- resolved it by having loaded it into a random person's pocket and having it appear right then and there right. than have to suffer the remaining hour until I could, <laughs> you know, get it where it needed to be and reveal it. Oh man, that is a great story. I'm glad we got that on the cast. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe your first time hearing it is yeah. now, so that's pretty neat. Yeah, that's great. That's great. But Matt, we should shift gears because we're at that time in our podcast. For diddle me this, diddle me this, diddle me that, will Eric end up stumping Matt? Riddles! Riddles indeed. Okay, this is a little bit of a longer one, but I think uh, you'll get the answer. Uh, Queen Elizabeth stumbled on her throne and fell down the stairs. Her duke witnessed the whole thing. The queen, afraid the press might find out about her embarrassing situation, wished to consult with her advisors and ordered the duke not to mention a word of it until he saw her again. Reporters caught wind that something had occurred at the palace and badgered the duke to tell them, but he continually refused. 
Finally, they dropped a lot of money to entice him, and the Duke spilled it all. The Queen, furious to read the story about her fall in the paper, brought the Duke before her to berate him. The Duke said he had followed her order to a T, so it was not his fault. What did he mean by this? How did uh, he get it away? I, I I hate to say it, but you're going to have to read this again. <laughs> For was, sure. It is long. It is a longer yeah. one. I'll give you a clue. By the way, this was submitted by my brother, but I've found another version of it as well. Um, and I'll, I mean, it's, it's just changing out minor details and... Uh, okay. switches it but it's uh, it's a very similar riddle and i like i like the uh, the approach to it so i'll read it again queen elizabeth stumbled off her throne and fell down the stairs her duke witnessed the whole thing the queen afraid the press might find out about her embarrassing situation wished to consult her advisors and ordered the duke not to mention a word of it until he saw her again reporters caught wind that something had occurred at the palace and badgered the duke to tell them but he continually refused. Finally, they dropped a lot of money to entice him, and the Duke spilled it all. The Queen, furious to read the story about her fall in the paper, brought the Duke before her to berate him. The Duke said he had followed her order to a T, so it was not his fault. What did he mean by this? He means that he didn't tell anyone until he saw her again. Right. Yeah, so once he saw her again, he was able to spill the beans. But he didn't see her again until she berated him she sped she said not to speak a word of it but he he submitted a photograph to the press oh interesting that's a that's a way i will say that is not the solution but i like think that outside the box thinking and i think you should go along that that same train of thought of how he was able to get around that order but he literally said the words to the press for the, oh, for I, the sake of this for the sake of this puzzle oh he to did clarify. yeah oh yeah. But um, he did find another loophole. <laughs> oh, he said it, but she said not to speak a word of it. The Duke, uh, she had, she she met with the advisors and ordered the Duke not to mention a word of it until he saw her again. Oh, so like the the catch of this is when I what I initially said about seeing her again. Right, but he, she she he was saw not a photo of her. Not on the wall. Not a photo on the wall. Uh, what did the press do to try to entice him? They showed him pictures of her. (laughs) They gave, oh, she's on the money. (laughs) She's on the money. (laughs) Love it. So they gave her lots of money and was like, (laughs) yeah, sour face on the bill. Great one. Yeah, that's a fun one. So the other version I saw just made it, you know, uh, for the United States where, you know, similar actions. But the president says like, uh, uh, let's see. The, I'll just do it briefly. The Ronald had a rare opportunity to meet the president of the United States. Yada yada yada. Uh, the president. Uh, uh, let's see. He gets a gift and he says never to sell it unless he sees the president again. And then the president dies. And years later, the man sells the gift. And same thing for for a thousand dollars. And it turns out the president was Ulysses S. Grant. Gotcha. And he's, and he's on the the fifty dollar bill. So yep. similar present of a face on money as the answer to that riddle. But I thought Very it's good. a fun one. Very but, good. Let, let's bang out some trivia. Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready. Time to use his wit. Pressure. 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 Trivia. Pressure. Trivia time. Bring it, Matt. Bring the trivia. What word is best used to describe a flock of crows? I know this one. Don't even need choices. This is a weird hobby of mine. I love looking up what groups of animals are called. <laughs> um, the, a group of crows is called a murder. <laughs> I'll get, I did I'll, not know that was a hobby of yours, and I had choices, too. <laughs> uh, my fa- one of my favorites is uh, what a group of flamingos is called. What is it? A flamboyance. Ah, flamboyance of flamingos. (laughs) So do you know, like, for example, like other ones like rhino? Oh, I don't know rhino off the top of my head, but like, obviously, like a a pride of lions people know. But do you know what do you know what tigers are? Because I had to look that up. I don't know any, especially since, uh, you know, last time when we were talking about father of the pride, the uh, the 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 show from Sigrid Roy that we did the scam thing. I looked it Mm -hmm. up because I was like, wait, aren't they known for tigers, not like lions, Siegfried and Roy? So I looked up what a group of 
tigers is, and it's a streak of tigers. Oh, nice. That's nice. Dolphins? But, oh, I think. Hmm. See, I, not I, a I, cast. I used not to a cast. know all of these. Uh, it's a pod. Yeah. It's like, yeah. A, it's like whales, a pod of yeah. whales. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cheetahs is coalition. A coalition? I like mm-hmm. that. Now, my one of my favorite animals is a Frenchie. The dog? Uh, yeah. And they have one that I don't agree with, so I rewrote my own because if you like pugs, it's called a grumble of pugs. Oh. Which I just love because that's mm-hmm. just so fitting. But mm-hmm. uh, I said that a bunch of <laughs> Frenchies should be called a froggle. I like that. <laughs> I don't think that's the actual term, but I'm going to – I'm gonna. hopefully that will catch up. <laughs> Maybe it will. Hey, Matt, let's go to our mailbag. Bingo, bango. <laughs> I like it. So uh, we teased this last episode that uh, Bruce wrote us a couple emails, and I wanted to get to this one uh, because uh, Bruce chimed in on our topic a few weeks ago now about uh, fame and success. So I'll read Bruce's email, and uh, I- I'm reading this for the first time. So uh, give me your thoughts uh, when we're done, and thank you, Bruce, for writing in. Appreciate it. Uh, just a couple thoughts on the fame success topic from your la- latest podcast, which was two podcasts ago. Uh, if we are talking strictly entertainers, then fame can be a role to build financial success. In broader terms, it's necessary to define success and to define fame. Success is personal. For some, it's financial. For some of it's, for some of us, it's the joy of the work, the creativity. For others, it's the joy brought to others. I was always uh, attracted to the advice of Dr. Larch in the book and movie uh, Cider House Rules. Have you seen that one, Matt? What do you think? No. (laughs) Okay. But the advice is be of use. I believe that if you can be of use to others, then you are successful. That's great. That's really good. What was that last line? Be of use? Yeah. Be of use. So he says, I believe if you can be of use to others, then you are successful. Now he goes on to define fame. Fame in term in terms of everyone wanting to see your show, buy your product, discuss you on social media seems obvious. What about Mahatma Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, etc.? The their names are practically household words. Pretty much everyone knows the names and who they are. Does that make them famous? I'd argue that it does. Did fame contribute to their success? I'd say no, but then again in the case of Gandhi and King, spreading their message to a wider audience might indeed have made them more successful. You ask whether it certainly contributes to the legacy. Yeah, absolutely. And just becoming, you know, like you said, household names. Uh, He goes on. You ask whether you are more interested in someone if they are famous. This may be so only because you know about them. You may be just as interested in the same person's activities, their songs, their magic, whatever, if they were not famous, but then you'd not even know they existed. Or they exist. Being famous does not make you better, and being good does not make you famous. Talent and success, however you define it, and fame really are unrelated in the long run. My opinion only, Bruce. I think there's some really good thoughts in there, for sure. I I think I kind of agree with... I think it was really all well said, Yeah, it was all very well said. So, uh, Bruce, you hit the nail on the head there. I think... Obviously, one can lead to the other in terms of helping, you know, fame versus success. But I think when you get down to really appreciating what the actions are, they speak for themselves, I think. Yeah, I, I just feel like um, the the uh, I agree with all of that. And the misguided I feel the approach of like aspiring to get fame for me is misguided, but a lot of people have it. So maybe it's not misguided for them. I think it depends on the individual, I guess. Uh, it almost seems like f- fame's the loudspeaker in this, right? It's like if you're doing good stuff and you want it, 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 and people can appreciate it for that, it's one thing. But then broadcasting it to a larger audience—that's that's where the fame helps out, right? Well, uh, on the other side of the coin, some people view fame. I should even I should even specify some famous people would view fame as a side effect of yeah. success. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like. So one you, can ha- one can encourage the other, but also one can just come from the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the more I think about it, the less I consider it to be like an element of credibility. Yeah, it's it can definitely be manufactured too. And you know, we're seeing this with all the uh, you know, every day we're seeing the latest person trying trying to be, you know, social media famous in one way or another. 
and sometimes it's not reflecting the quality of the content. So you know what's interesting? Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. Like, what what is the goal of of getting likes? And I'm not diminishing someone who does aspire to get likes, and that's that's their goal. Mm-hmm. But okay, is it for financial gain? In most cases, there are probably easier ways to 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 to. Yeah, get it's financial a full-time gain. job to play these social media games. Yeah, you know? I don't know. I, I, it's just such an interesting topic to me. But instead of uh, say more and sound like an idiot, I just refer you to Bruce's essay. Yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> so uh, hit the back button and listen to me read that again. Yeah, uh, the delivery was flawless. <laughs> yeah, hit that fifteen-second backup a few times, and you'll be right back in there with that A delivery. It was good delivery, by the way. Thank you. I, I think Bruce that. is proud of it. Hopefully, if he hears this, I, th- I hope that he would be proud. Yeah, that was great. Um, what else, Matt? Um, we last week we were talking about memory. I hope people have been practicing. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you remember the list of 10 items? Oh, I d- didn't expect you to ask it. It's only been a couple days. <laughs> Which items are we talking about? The ones I gave you or the ones you gave me? Both, brother. Now we have 20. Oh, Bang. boy. I don't, I don't think I rehearsed it, right? Remember, because you got to revisit them. So I, I, I have didn't... not revisited, but I think I could do it. Oh, I'm not even going to test you. But, cause Rubik's I, I want... Cube. <laughs> I don't I... remember number two. See, I told you. You got to revisit it, too, for it to really set into your long-term memory. Camera. Great. Love it. <laughs> Monkey, deck of cards, picture frame. I don't remember number six. Seven was, anyway, it doesn't matter. Right. I remember. I could get them if I had to, I think. I remember outlet, stool, car. Uh, I got your list too. <laughs> uh, but um, I wanted to talk about uh, a story where I was doing my memory demonstration uh, at a maze balls, my monthly show, and I just like totally failed. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> this totally. is the failure episode, I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Since you told your story of losing a dollar or uh, dollar bill or money on a hundred, by the way, hundred dollar bill, a <laughs> lot more, higher stakes. <laughs> my stakes were much lower. Uh, mine was just about embarrassment. Uh, but uh, I was uh, hosting, I mentioned him earlier, Colin and his wife Chloe were uh, guests on my show. They took time off from their Broadway run to come do my silly little, uh, you know, casual make up show in, in Queens. Uh, so I was busy hosting them and the other acts that were on the bill as well. Uh, but I wanted to try my pieces, this memory piece that I usually have where people call out objects like we were doing at different numbers. And I do about 30 of them. And normally I have them call them out while I'm on stage and I'm doing my memory pegs and links live, which couldn't be a long process, but you keep it entertaining throughout. But I was like, maybe I can shorten the process by having that pad up on the stage. And prior to the show, I'll have people, you know, form a line and just add objects next to numbers. And I'll watch them as they do that. And I can do the memory stuff prior to starting the show. What I forgot to realize was, one, I was very distracted during the opening part of the show because, again, I was trying to make sure my acts were set so that they look good. That's what a good host does is I want them to shine and make sure they had everything needed. So I was, like, running around at the same time. So already not great. Two, the aisle in this particular venue with the creek in the cave, which is no longer there, which is actually moving to Austin, by the way. Weird. Um, At least they're coming back. Yeah, Maze Balls isn't going with them unless someone starts a, a Maze Balls two electric boogaloo down in Austin. But uh, <laughs> but uh, the the aisle was straight up the middle, so when people were lined up, from my view in the pl- the back of the theater, the whole pad was blocked by their bodies every time they went up to, to write. So I I couldn't even see what they're writing if I tried. So what happens is. I like try to really quickly memorize it right as I'm starting the show, which is not good. And then uh, I do my bit and I'm trying to like just recall items out of like 30. I would say I got maybe I'll I'll be generous and say 10, but it was probably closer to like six or eight. (laughs) Right. Which is about average if someone tried to do this without having any techniques. (laughs) (laughs) But but I. But then I just kind of like turned around and just was like reading them off. I was like, let me take a look. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, sure. And that was a big hit. Colin, Colin still makes fun of me for that moment and thinks it's one of the funniest things. But he was shocked because he's like, 
The audience still loved you, though. And, like, it was still sort of impressive. They were on your side. They were like, I mean, it helped that it's a comedy show and it's an experimental show when things do go wrong and people have seen things go wrong in that venue. That's why that show existed was to a place to be bad. And, and But it also speaks to, like, if the audience is on your side, you could do anything and they'll still love it, right? It's all about that personality. So, like, I could have just read a book because I was essentially just reading random words off a sheet of paper. Right. <laughs> and then Colin comes out and he was trying something new and his first bit didn't land the way he wanted it to because, again, he was just trying stuff out. But then he's like, Diddleman just stood there and read things and you gave him a better reaction. <laughs> That's awesome. No, it just goes to show it. it, it is true. And in the story of the dollar bill, I don't think it was the best effect for the entire audience, but the participant, because he had tickets to the meet and greet after the show and I got to actually speak with him and he had the time of his life. He loved it. That's what I said. There's always that one audience member too, who's like, oh, this is different than what I expected. And it was great. And he's like, because they, to be honest, whenever you're doing a magic effect, they don't know what the outcome is most of the time. So right. You can't telegraph that something went wrong or anything because for all they care or know, that's how it was supposed to happen, right? Right. And I think you just have to believe in it. And, uh, you know, that's why if you do have a backup plan or whatever, it can't feel like a backup plan because (laughs) to anyone else, all they know, that is the plan. That's plan, Mm -hmm. plan A, so... I think there's valuable lessons we learn from our failures and uh, when things don't go quite quite well. But it also just gives us strategies for when those things do happen again, we kind of know how to approach them. Something tells me I'm going to have so many more of these stories once <laughs> once I start up again, just not having performed in a year and yeah. trying trying some audacious stuff. So audacious. Yeah. Audacious. Uh, yeah, I like that. That's great. Uh, Matt, let's move on to our goals. Okay. Yeah, last week. You want to go first or you want me to go? Last week, I'll, I'll give you your goal from last okay. week. See see how you did. We only had a couple days here, but uh, you uh, wanted uh, – <laughs> what I wrote doesn't make sense. I wrote, do good job interest. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> uh, there was something I was lo- – once we got off the podcast, I was going to do something. <laughs> oh, I think I had to do an interview maybe? You had an interview, and you wanted to do. I think what I tried to write was you wanted to do interesting things for the cast. It was the live the life, oh, got li- it. live the life for the cast. Well, a goal. Life is definitely interesting, so I yeah. feel good about that. I do actually have a pretty solid goal that for this coming week that I don't know if I'll achieve it or not. Like it's Ooh. pretty, pretty good chance I won't. There's a chance I will, I, uh, but I'll share it with you. I don't know if we've set up a goal yet that we haven't like been able to complete. Like We've definitely like deferred goals and be like, that's yes. still happening. But I don't think we were like, I've got this goal and it's either going to happen or not. And I don't think we've failed at a goal yet. So this is exciting. Yes. So what's your and goal? It, yes. So <laughs> it is. And, and this is, it's, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. My goal from now yes. to the end of the month, which is February 28th, because it's not a leap year, is by by that by the end of this month, I want to be eighty to eighty five percent done with uh, producing and reteching the new uh, Magic Reinvented show at the Matt Franco Theater, Link Hotel and Casino. Eighty to eighty five percent done in very few days, actually. Wow! Now, how do you define the percentage of teching? Is it by scene, by routine, by? Life I mean versus stage I, like how do you I mean, define that percentage I mean the the goal is 85% like ready to open Yeah yeah no I understand. I mean ready to perform you're saying how do you measure it Yeah how are you measuring like how do we know what 15% is left and so forth Um well it's the, I don't think there are hard and fast rules on it I think it's right. more general so uh I yeah I mean I guess it's like I just want to know you, what that benchmark is how do you know you got to 80%? Let's say there are yeah. 15 items in your running order and you have 85% of them done Great But then that, there are still some question good. marks of oh we have to have this prop built or oh we have everything except the I'm making this up handheld camera we'll mm-hmm. source that figure out the you know like yeah. I want to yeah. have 80 to, I want to feel Almost done. Now, I don't gotcha. know. It might end up being 40 or 50%, but I'm going to shoot for 80 to 85 and see where we land. That but is a ex- good goal. Yeah, exciting stuff nonetheless. I'm excited to hear that. Now, I mentioned um, that we haven't had a goal fail yet, but I think my goal from last week, I probably failed. 
the the photo shoot one? No, no, no. The photo shoot hasn't happened yet, so I haven't done that. So I wrote down from last time is I wanted to get better at time management to get things done that I need to get done. Okay. Uh, and I don't think I did that this week at all. Like, Well, Eric, it's a long-term <laughs> goal. Yeah, okay. But I meant specifically this week because I have so much coming up. So, like, I'm editing this newsletter for, for the uh, Psychic Entertainers Association that I'm part of. I'm co-editor for that. So, like, I had a lot of articles, and I just tried to, like, meter out my time and, like, block off chunks so that I was able to, like, tackle this. And I did not do that well. I'm still – I feel like I'm struggling last second to get everything done. And, uh, you know, I've got, you know, to prep for the photo shoot and the and the, the conference today. I just feel like everything got pushed back, so now I'm in a scramble mode. So I didn't really tackle my goal that I wanted to, but – this is a learning lesson. We just were talking about learning from our failures and how to proceed for the future when things come up. And I'll, I'll have to just figure out a way, better way to to block out like, all right, this is actually going to take longer than I think. Let's like really set aside a decent amount of time and even scheduling things. Because I know people do that, right? They schedule like I'm going to write for exactly 12 minutes or whatever right. and then or an hour and 15 or whatever that benchmark is. And as soon as that's done, they move on. And I don't know if that that helps in terms of their productivity. Well, my advice just as a friend to you is I think you're being a little hard on yourself because that type of goal is a work in progress and you can't mm. expect it to happen overnight. Of course. So, of course. I mean, just listening back to what you were just saying, maybe be a little more gentle with yourself on that yeah. one. Yeah, but that's what that's I'm what like is I want to get everything done. As <laughs> I get it. I yeah. get it. But yeah. you know what? You might actually find that you make more cro- progress by – Right. Being being a little more gentle in the, oh, yeah, I could schedule time for this. Or, oh, yeah, I could do that as opposed to, oh, man, I didn't do it. Well, I'm more like likely to do that when I, like, take a mental health break of, like, doing sure. something for fun in the middle of that is, like, I need this. I can't focus on just work all the time or the rest of the work is going to suffer. So I, I got to take, you know, half an hour to play a video game or read a book or something like that just to, mm-hmm. to, to, to do something I like in the middle of that work and i think that's important too to have that balance fantastic but then when the video games become three hours of video games that's the problem (laughs) i understand three hours on clubhouse three hours on video games that's half your day is shot yeah maybe not the best idea to schedule an agt panel when i have one of the busiest weeks but i was like let's get it done let's see what happens no, it was a success. Um, was this fun, is episode man. 34. Next week, we'll be coming at you at 35. Uh, speaking of afternoon shows, I'm going to hop off to do a little bit of an appearance at a cool summit, like a virtual summit. Nice. Uh, we could talk a little bit more about it uh, next week, but there's be some really cool people on there like Sanjay Gupta and uh, Deepak Chopra and uh, some musicians. And it's just a really cool event. I'm excited to be part of it, kind of an exchange of ideas. But it goes back to kind of part of how you started this episode talking about doing uh, a performance it'll be noon my time when i kick it into gear yeah so. you gotta you gotta bring that uh presence you said be present in your in your uh interview and show and which is harder to do in a virtual environment but i'm gonna mm-hmm. try my best so mm. yeah what, what, what what's up with you you got you do know what's on the horizon for next week uh yeah. for you well that's what i was gonna say is i i didn't give a current goal so it's just to to, to nail this photo shoot hope that goes well and uh and then take what results from that and uh, start implementing it into the website because that's that's my uh, immediate uh, goal is to get my new website up and running. And uh, especially since uh, as uh, elements of it are disappearing due to Facebook and social media to try and just get that. So we have a presence and and maybe we'll even add a link to yes oh we should make that a goal next week not this week next week this is exciting because we both have goals this week that we will be able to really verify next week like so by the time we record the next episode it'll be march so we'll know where my percentage is at and hopefully you've at least scheduled a photo shoot by then no the photo shoot will have happened but oh oh it will so perfect yeah yeah. Yeah. okay it's perfect that's what i thought initially all right so we'll know how it went this would be great updates for episode 35 well, no, well, no. So, uh, well, we appreciate you listening. But uh, if you want to submit uh, anything to our mailbag, just like uh, Bruce's lovely email with his insight, uh, feel free to uh, comment on anything you've heard throughout this podcast, whether it's energy in the matinees uh, or uh, <laughs> failure stories that you've had. I-, I love 
failure stories and gigs because I do think there's always uh, one they're fun to hear uh, after the fact once there's been time and we can laugh at those uh, you know it's it's the difference between comedy and tragedy is time right <laughs> but mm -hmm. I love hearing bad gig stories but I think we can all learn from those so uh, I don't think it's an ego thing but uh, please email us at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com follow us on the social media at mindmagicpod and uh, we appreciate you. We love that you're listening. Uh, if you're enjoying the show, please tell a friend. We got some more reviews on our uh, Apple podcast, I saw. Uh, but if you're listening elsewhere, review us there. It helps. It helps with the algorithm. We appreciate anything that you uh, can help us do to promote the show. Thank you for being with us today. We hope you'll join us next week. Thank you so much. Eric, take it easy, my friend. Yeah, I'll talk to you later, Matt. Good luck. Bye-bye. 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 Okay, Borat. It could be like the David Spade one of bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm surprised you know who Borat is. <laughs> <laughs>